And this is 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. It came in like a lamb, sweet and innocent, with that sense of postmodern humor. To have 2020 vision means to see everything as it is, to have perfect vision. Uh, then again, it doesn't. To see at 2020 is not to have perfect vision, it is to see normal, average, uh, mediocre. 2020 started mediocre and rapidly declined, teetering at times on the edge of a race war. By March, our houses, our apartments doubled as lockdown cells as a global virus turned faithful citizens into pandemic prisoners. We all learn that there is a limit to how much sourdough bread can be baked, how many Zoom meetings can be attended, and how many press conferences a governor can call in the middle of an afternoon. We were forced to slow down, reprioritize, and listen. If you listened, as sports fans, you could hear the plays being called in an otherwise empty stadium. If you listened, you could hear the Amazon trucks, the Grubhub and Uber Eats cars zip down abandoned streets. If you listened, as Americans, you could hear the chants on the streets as protesters marched against systematic injustice. And if you listened, there were clear voices adamant in their determination to say his name, to say her name. These are just a few sounds of 2020, a year in which so many people demanded to be heard and made music that should not be forgotten. Then there are those other sounds that come from the day-to-day -day acceptance that you were able to wake up in the morning and brave a new world of N9 face masks and disinfectant wipes, like the laughter of a live audience, the crisp, refreshing pour with citrus notes of love corkscrew that put head over hearts and empty glass after delicious empty glass. The soul and rock music dreams deferred from Guyana to Brooklyn to Georgia, following the path of Nineveh Road. Rather than lament the losses, the lack of love tearing us apart again and again, this is the moment to celebrate life, to refuse to go gentle into that good night. Night used to be when a house music DJ would spin vinyl pushing out sounds from vibrating speakers to echo Black Widow's A Love Manifesto. There were the soothing sounds of one special November Saturday when CNN's Wolf Blitzer let the world know that there was a new Georgia crayon that had changed from red to purple to blue. And thankfully, the applause of healthcare workers and reporters as the first groups of elderly patients and frontline workers take a COVID-19 vaccine, we hope will bring the world back to normal. Today, we look back on the top five sounds of 2020, a year that came in like a lamb and is roaring out like a lion. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, 
a pure lighthouse production. Brought to you by A1 Pest Masters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pest Masters. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. The noise went away. One of the most striking different changes in 2020 was the ability to hear again. From bluebirds in the trees to cardinals, cubs, and white Sox on the bases, sound made its mark. The last time that all of us as a country had to be still in the way that we did for the first several months in 2020 was back on September 15th, 2001. President Bush, number 43, declared that Friday would be a national day of mourning. If I remember correctly, there were hardly any cars on the road and certainly no planes in the air. We were mourning the loss of nearly 3,000 people from a terrorist attack early that Tuesday, September 11th. And as a new resident there in New York City, I had a front seat to 9-11, a day that would be known as the largest single-day loss of life events in our nation's history. It held that distinction until we began to average a larger casualty total than 9-11 for consecutive days in December 2020 from COVID-19. With nearly 3,000 people dying each day, a different sound began to cut into the silence. I am claiming a better year in 2021 right now, seriously. As I remember, the beginning of my 2020 was great. Where was I? Yes, somewhere on the Caribbean Sea, cruising between islands and ringing in the new year with my extended family, my first cousins. Very similar to 9-11, there was that moment in time where all of us knew where we were and what we were doing when we got the news. Those of us who listened to Auntie Lori whose gray pajama suited image seemed to pop up everywhere and stayed home, discovered the new reoccurring sounds in our life. If we could work from home, then. From Google Hangouts to Microsoft Teams, if you worked at home, you needed to answer that video call or at least get dressed from the waist up. And with seldom other ways to spend the day, and the movie going suddenly obsolete. There was the binge of the streaming devices, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, YouTube TV, and Apple TV. All those channels that you thought you never needed became escape options to a real world that seemed like a science fiction disaster movie gone terribly wrong. That's the negative, but there's always a positive, right? While you couldn't go out, traditional institutions from grocery stores to film festivals figured out ways to come to you. This is how some films with limited release and those yet to be released made our podcast list of the best things we saw in 2020. They include The Last Dance, an ESPN documentary series on Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls, 
August Wilson's Ma Rayleigh Black Bottom, which featured the late Chadwick Boseman, who died earlier in the year. The third installment of Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's Bad Boys for Life, the superhero drama The Old Guard, and Netflix's Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. An honorable mention goes to the Chicago set documentary Mama Gloria. The award-winning film was a selection in the Chicago International Film Festival. I got a chance to interview the filmmaker Lucina Fisher ahead of its streaming release. What's the state of African-American filmmaking today? Whose who's work excites you or inspires you? Ooh, wow. This is an exciting time to be a Black female filmmaker. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to put that out there because I feel it. I feel things are changing. I met Ava DuVernay. Oh, gosh. That's my favorite. She's my favorite. Oh, my gosh. Hands of God. She's my favorite. I know. (laughs) Well, it's funny. Like, Ava and I actually were talking I was interviewing her when I used to work for ABC News Mm -hmm. as an entertainment reporter. Mm -hmm. And I remember interviewing her about her Oscar party because it was like Mm -hmm. famous, you know, she would have Oscar parties. And this was back when she was a publicist. And then she started making films. And and so I met her in person for the first time after she had made uh, Middle of Nowhere. Uh, and it won the Sundance um, uh, Grand Jury Prize. And we had dinner, we hung out. I was just like, oh my gosh, she is doing it. Like, I could be doing this, you know? And at that point I had uh, done Death in the Family. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't yet done Danger Word, but I was like so impressed that she just went ahead. She didn't wait for anybody to give her a green light. I so believe in that, um, that, you know, there's no reason to wait on Hollywood to discover you. That's right. You discover yourself, you, you, know, you know what you're capable of, you know your gifts. So you just put it out there in the world. And, you know, honestly, when I started Mama Gloria, I thought, oh, I'm gonna just do this small film. Maybe it'll be a short documentary. Um, it kept growing and growing. Did you learn and, more? Yes. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, and then I got this support and I, you know, I started reaching out and finding mentors because, yes, there have been um, a number of Black women filmmakers who've been at it. Maybe they haven't gotten the credit or um, the fanfare. They're starting to get that attention now. Oh, good. But good. they have been toiling away for a while. And I was like, I need to connect with them. I need to feel like I'm not alone. And I'll tell you now, I'm part of this group, Brown Girl Doc Mafia, which is 4,000 women of color strong <laughs> who are all documentary filmmakers. Okay. And, you know, some who do narrative as well. But it, it just shows you the power of um, uh, us right now in this industry. And the industry's paying attention. I have gotten a number of uh, calls Good. in the last um, few months. I do think this reckoning that's happening in 
the country is touching on every area and aspect of our life and that includes Hollywood and the stories we tell and who's telling those stories um, and it does mean a great opportunity for us black female storytellers who've been at this for a while and uh, finally Hollywood is taking notice. Hi this is Mr. Womble the behind the scenes voice of interludes and here are the top five things i saw this year there's a mix of tv and film since that's what we saw on the screens in our homes two are documentaries neither one is tiger king the docs are 40 years of prisoner which is a story of the human aftermath of the move bombing in philadelphia and city so real Filmmaker Steve James's documentary on life in Chicago during the 2019 mayoral election. Both were entries in Chicago's film festival. 40 years can be viewed on HBO on demand. City So Real is currently on Hulu. The scripted movies this year include Sylvia's Love, which is a romance that was set in the early 1960s jazz era, featuring Tessa Thompson. His House, a frightening film featuring South Sudanese refugees in a haunted house. And HBO's pulp science fiction meets Black Lives Matter masterpiece, Lovecraft Country. Shows like Lovecraft Country and Fargo were must-see TV that kept you wanting more and kept you coming back each weekend. An honorable mention would go to Netflix's original film, Uncorked the story of an African-American guy who sets his sights on becoming a sommelier. That is uh, someone who is very uh, educated in wine to the point that they can pick out a varietal just on smell or a simple taste. As a former resident of wine country who spent too much time pouring glasses in tasting rooms, I could relate to his fascination with wine as both a status symbol and a source of satisfaction. Now, the story of African-Americans and wine is a story of entrepreneurship, and no one exemplified that this year, like Krishan Lampley, who appeared on the September 16th episode of Interludes. Krishan helped Valerie learn about her brand, Love Corkscrew, and wines like Head Over Heels, by drinking glass after delicious and now we're going to go to the wines. This is yes, yes. Head Over Heels, a wine that inspired its own film that can be found on your website. Is that correct? Oh, gosh, yes, yes. I did a really cute music, or what I would call it, a music video, but a little commercial, long commercial. And, you know, as, as just so people know Love Corkscrew, um, my concept of, of Love Corkscrew is just to create a fun, whimsical experience um, in drinking wine for the wine enthusiasts as well as the wine novice. And I wanted it to be very easy and approachable as well to people. And that's thus the catchphrases. Um, a lot of people can't remember Chianti or Bordeaux or Chenin Blanc or Cabernet. So I decided it shouldn't be just about the varietals. There's so many people that enjoy wine that just don't get wine. So why not coin terms that are very easy to remember? And, and Head Over Heels, for my reasoning, made perfect sense because it's such a romantic varietal. What general advice do you have for women with the desire to become entrepreneurs? You know, I say this all the time and I repeat myself because I want it to really resonate um, that 
to be an entrepreneur, you've got to just go for it. And I know that sounds very cliche, but I've, I've mentored so many that have wrote these business plans that are 500 pages, 1000 pages to never, ever start. If you don't start, I don't care how great your business plan is, because that does not mean you're going to succeed. You actually have the will. You have to have the will to do it. You have to go for it. Yes, sometimes you just have to throw the bleep at the wall um, to make it happen. At the same time, I, I caution people and I tell this all the time, never quit your day job just to become an entrepreneur. And when I say this, why would you stress yourself out? Why would you lose your insurance? Why would you lose that direct deposit? You can be an entrepreneur and still keep your day job. In the going on eight years that I've owned Love Corkscrew, seven of those years, I had a full-time job. I might not have hardly gotten any sleep, but I'll tell you one thing. When I was working, I was able to pull my mind out of, of the stress of Love Corkscrew. And that energy opened up so much for great things to happen to the point I was able to now be a full-time entrepreneur. So I want people to go for it, but be smart about it. Don't stress yourself out for no reason. And if you ever listen to me say anything, know that the time for you to quit your job is when your accountant tells you. If you don't have an accountant, it ain't time for you to quit your job. So, you so you just take your time, but at the same time, man, go full swing. You gotta do it. Hearing the refreshing pour of sweet wine with citrus notes was one of the many sounds that made 2020 tolerable. Here are five other things we heard last year that seemed to make life all right. They are Entanglement by Jada Pinkett Smith. You and I decided we were going to take our space and what happened. Yeah, and then I got into an entanglement with August. A what, Jada? That table might be red, but the story has been whitewashed for sure. Then there was award-winning comedian David Chappelle's take on the George Floyd murder by Minneapolis police. Why would anyone care what their favorite comedian thinks after they saw a police officer kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds? I can't get that number out of my head because it was my time of birth on my birth certificate. I was born at 8.46 in the morning. Music-wise, a few songs could top both the hip-hop and pop charts as well as make the sports center's top 10, like Jack Harlow's What's Poppin'? What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight stockin'. Just joshin'. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Some songs started on TikTok as dance crazes in quarantine, making hip-hop artists international stars like Megan, the stallion. I'm a savage, had a too nasty. Talk big, big, but my bank account matching. Hood, but I'm classy. Rich, but I'm ratchet. Haters kept my name in their mouth, not a gagging. Then, after all of America nearly fell into several days of a nervous breakdown, including myself, no sweeter words were said than a Saturday declaration by Wolf Blitzer. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. We're able to make this projection because CNN projects Biden wins Pennsylvania. The former vice president in his third run for the highest office, pulling off a rare defeat of a sitting commander in chief. With this victory, Kamala Harris is set to become the first woman 
and the first person of color to be the vice president. Again, CNN projects Joe Biden will become the 46th president of the United States. The only other declaration that felt nearly as sweet was a certain Chicago-based love manifesto. I'm wavering and steadfast in my loyalty and devotion. I'm yours completely. Don't misuse it. Don't neglect it. Nourish us with waters of trust and fidelity. Honest communication and loyalty. And watch us grow, thrive, and survive together forever. In November, I got a chance to talk to Black Widow, a.k.a. Danny Sanders, about her hot house music track called Love Manifesto. In the clubs, you're just, you're moving and grooving and people are like, you don't have to know how to dance. Just get on this dance floor and do what you're going to do. And that was always encouraged. And that I, that vibe is something that is missing. I tell my kids all the time, like, y'all don't know how to party. Like, we... When you gather in those spaces, it's it's so much more people assume, you know, you go to clubs and you're drinking, blah, blah, blah. It really isn't about that. It is people who have come to release, mm. to let go. Right. And I have met people that have become long life friends on dance floors because we've connected through the music. So it's really, it's so much, it's really an experience that, like I said, is rooted in community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I was listening to Love Manifesto. How did that come to be and what was the creative uh, process behind that track? The DJ and producer, DJ Immaculate, um, we've worked together a couple of times. Uh, he is also um, head of the label that I'm on, uh, Terry Hunter's label, Teasebox Records. And he sent me a track and said, you know, I'm thinking about doing this song or, you know, this song, I think I want to call it Love Manifesto. What do you think? Take a listen and let me know. And initially he had an idea to make the song kind of like a love message to the world based on everything that had been happening in the world. We need a manifesto to combat the hate and all of that. But when I listened to it, I immediately had a different reaction. I just started thinking about romantic love and that the instrumentation just made me think of if I could just write it down, what kind of love I wanted in my life, what would that look like? So that's what I wrote and I sent it to him and he was like, well, that wasn't what I was thinking, but let's go with it. I like it. And it started from there. So that's how Love Manifesto came. Uh, Immaculate did the track, I wrote the lyrics and it came together very beautifully. The concept of small virtual communities became a necessary support system in a world where physical contact was risky, whether you lived in a row house or the White House. As a result, many communities formed on social media platforms like Facebook, Reddit, Clubhouse, and YouTube. And one of the best YouTube communities that fed my soul in 2020 was Bible Bodega Talk on BK Apologist channel. Every Friday, it became my safe space in a world determined to eat itself like a pastrami on rye with cream soda. Because of the pandemic, you know, people don't get to do that organic 
grouping, that gathering. So what I wanted to do was create kind of a virtual version of that. So the bodegas that we every Friday night, you know, we come through and we hang out virtually. But the the, the idea is also we're hanging out and we talk about everything. We talk about comic books, race see. relations, mm-hmm. but through a Christian lens. And and the people that you see on on the panel are other urban apologists. You know, they have their own channel. They're doing their own thing. And, you know, I've become good friends with many of them. So I, I would invite them to come hang out at the Bible Bodega. And, and it's it's the Christian apologetic version of The View, basically. <laughs> That's what it is. I like that, though. I like that. How important is your platform to you and your audience? Well, you, you would have to ask my audience that 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 part of the question. But um, okay. I, for me, it's important because I feel like I think I'm meeting a need. You know, a lot of people don't, don't get to have these type of conversations where they live. You mm-hmm. know, so to able to find kindred spirits over the interwebs is a big deal for a lot of people, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's kind of lonely being the, the Bible nerd in your particular congregation, you know, yes. not everybody is, is as deep or as weird about it as you are. So when you find people on the internet that are just as deep and weird, you, you make those strong bonds, you know, and it's, just, it's, it's amazing how you can become really good friends with people that you've never been in the same room before, you know, and but that's the, one, one of the great uh, advantages of the internet, you know, to have people who are, who have a common understanding and a common passion, being able to get together and feed off one another you know, on a regular basis. It's, it's just amazing. I hope that Interludes has become a safe space for aspiration, inspiration, and motivation for you in 2020. I hope that it's becoming something you seek out each Wednesday, like chicken soup for your spirit. For this special episode, we want to thank Lucina Fisher, Krishan Lampley, Danny Black Widow Sanders, and BK Apologists, all official friends of the show. If you'd like to hear more from Lucina Fisher on film, Krishan Lampley on wine, Danny Sanders on dance tracks, and BK Apologists on urban apologetics, check out the August 28th, September 16th, October 15th, and November 18th episodes in our Interludes archives. Next time on Interludes. It's been a big wake-up call for um, women, and I think it's kind of laid bare just how entrenched a a lot of the sexism and racism in the world really still is, and that we, you know, the title of the film is not done, that we might have thought we were done, but we're really not done. We look back at 2020 as a year of women, an accomplishment four years in the making with not done filmmaker Sarah Wolitsky. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble. Produced by Valerie Johnson and Michael Womble. Original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbeth. Interludes, a pure lighthouse production. Brought to you by A1 Pestmasters. For all your exterminating and pest control needs, call A1 Pestmasters at area code 773-365-9962 or visit their website at a1pestmasters.com. When you book your appointment with A1 Pestmasters, 
Tell them you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. <laughs>